today um, is uh, Professor Thomas Flichy de la Neuville. Um, uh, he's uh, a professor at uh, the Ecole Militaire de Saint-Cyr, which, for those of you who do not know, is the French equivalent, as it were, to uh, Sandhurst. Uh, he's a historian you know, by training, but has been involved in teaching cadets, not just French cadets, in fact, but um, international cadets as well, not just at uh, Saint-Cyr, but also previously at the Ecole Navale. Uh, his area of specialization <coughs> is Iran. In fact, am I right in thinking that you are fluent in Persian, more or less, as well? So there is linguistic you know, competence uh, here of a kind that some historians you know, dream of. Um, his latest works on Iran are Persian Negotiation Culture. Um, and then there's another, uh, a couple of other books, uh, Russia, Iran, China, A New Mongol Empire, and finally, Iran beyond Islamism. And the title of this talk you know, this afternoon is Hassan Rouhani's Strategy <coughs> to Avoid War. So without further ado, let's welcome our speaker. Mr. Thank you very much for your invitation. I'm very happy to be out of Saint-Cyr for two days, not seeing uniforms everywhere, even though I know there are a few fake civilians in the room. The initial light produced by a nuclear explosion, uh, nuclear explosion causes flash blindness, a wound that can last up to 40 minutes. By a game of mirrors and repetitions, um, the Iranian nuclear bomb has exploded virtually every day on our screens, and we have become self-deluded and incapable of understanding the Iranian strategies as they are. So beyond artificial explosions and false illuminations, let us, um, let us search for uh, the true lights. Dominus illuminatio mea. Iranian strategies fascinate France since the Renaissance. And if you look at this Persian lady on the French Renaissance manuscript, and if you revert the shield she's holding, you will clearly distinguish a royal lily. So, France, uh, so Iran is, has been seen in France as the eastern mirror, uh, as the other an eastern France. In the same time, um, the king of France is a new David. Um, we, we have forgotten these things. Uh, we have forgotten, for example, that uh, the, one of the heroes of Charles Perrault's fairy tales, uh, the, the Marquis de Carabas, the cat, is in, in fact Shah Abbas, the, the Persian sovereign of the time. We have forgotten, but the Iranians have long memories. And Iran um, currently tries to apply the old French policy of equilibrium between the great powers, India, China, the United States. What about Hassan Rani? Hassan Rani has been elected on the 15th of June and very quickly, within a few weeks, a few months, he has reverted the geopolitical situation of Iran. How? In order to spare Iran from global war, Hassan Rani has chosen to apply a, a new strategy, uh, what we could call a soft war, combining cultural influence, diplomatic offensives, and peripheral proxy wars. Rani has perfectly drawn the lessons from the current wars of subversion, but he has gone beyond thanks to his main asset, imagination. 
A country wishing today to overwhelm Iran should not focus on the nuclear scientists, but on the poets. They are present everywhere, especially at the top, and Rouhani has been advised by poetical circles. His strategy combines the sword and the world. The sword and the verb. So let us raise three questions. Three simple questions. What's the situation, in what situation has Rouhani found Iran some days after his election? What, what, has, what have been his first steps to revert the former situation? And what are his chances of success? So what's the situation of Iran uh, when Rani comes to power? Well, Iran is the center. It's the center for, for three reasons. First, it's the energetic center. It's the energetic heart of the world, capable of exploiting simultaneously the oil reserves of the Caspian Sea and of the Persian Gulf. So obviously, Iran is interesting for the world factories. It used to be Germany, and we might be interesting to recall the, the, the Operation Fallblau Fla in 1942, during which the Wehrmacht tried to seize the oil fields of the Caspian in the north and Rommel trying to seize the oil fields of, uh, of Iran, Iran swarming with German agents. Um, so this was the case in 1942, and now the new factory is, is China. So we are in the same situation, except that uh, the factory has changed, and so now we have an offensive uh, by sea and land, uh, but, but the center is still the same. And we have all today, as you know, all know, the, the huge maritime and terrestrial thrust of China towards uh, the factory, uh, towards the, the oil reserves. Of course, the sanctions have weakened Iran, but um, the sanctions have also stimuli stimulated the Iranian innovation. They have been bypassed. They've been bypassed by the guardians of the revolution who are smuggling goods into their private harbors. 80% of the Iranian harbors are owned by the guardians of the revolution. Anyway, Iran is the energetic center, but it's also, um, more importantly, it's also the historical heart of Muslim innovation. And let us not reduce innovation to mere technical improvements. Innovation lies some other way in, in poetry, irrigated by spirituality. So what frightens us is not the Iranian nuclear bomb. What frightens us is the capacity of Iran to innovate. We are frightened by poetry. And that's Iran's best asset. In fact, that's the way in which Iran has resisted for 1,000 years against foreign invasions, thanks to literature. And thirdly, Iran 
is the center, obviously, because it is the key to three main conflicts, Iraq, Syria, Afghanistan. <coughs> Iran has been confined. What has been the response of Iran to, con to confinement? Well, Iran has decided to... Iran has invented a new alliance with China and Russia. In order to counterbalance confinement, Iran has moved closer to China and to Russia. This alliance is based on the Sino-Iranian axis. It is marked by mutual geopolitical support, by cooperation, by cooperation with the Russian hinterland, and it's also marked by a dissemination of a vision of the world which challenges our own stereotypes. Does Iran wish to build a new Mongol empire? You have on this map the borders of the empire of Genghis Khan in blue. And obviously, the three countries are gathered today in the Shanghai Corporation Organization. 1.2 billion people, 26 million square kilometers, 50% of the world uranium, 40% of the world coal, joint military exercises, exchanges in the fields of nanotechnologies, and in cyber defense. But this new empire and the alliance into which Rani has found Iran has three main weaknesses. The first is demography. Iran, China, and Russia are marked by a, 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 a demographic uh, a, a, a decline with a simultaneous decrease in the birth rate and increase in the death rate. And uh, the consequences of this demographic decline with that uh, will be a sharp decline in innovation and also that the countries will have to increase productivity in order to make up for the manpower shortfall. Second weakness, in, in, in contrary to the 13th century, these three countries have not integrated the island of, of Turkish, Mongol and Turkish civilizations, which once brought them together. They have rejected Turkey and the, the Turkish inheritance, uh, the, the Chinese with their problems in, 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 with the Uyghur and Xinjiang, the, the, the Iranians in the north and the Russians uh, around the Caspian Sea. So they, they have rejected the only civilization capable of uniting them, or having united them in, 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 in the past. The, this, this, this is a weakness. And third weakness, of course, the naval deficit. We have a we have a we have the nightmare of America with a, a continental alliance, but and this explains uh, the will of Russia, China, and Iran to increase their naval potential, potential because it's their main weakness, rushing to the sea. That's a Russian map in which you see the new Mongol Empire in an, uh, under another perspective. Uh, it's, uh, it, it shows the so social networks in the world. 
Uh, so you see Facebook in blue, and you see that distinctively the Russians, the Chinese, and the Iranians have different uh, social networks. So it's another way of looking at this uh, reality. Um, what's the Iranian vision of the world when Hassan Rani becomes president? Well, Iran, Hassan Rani presents Iran as an anchor of stability in a notion of regional instabilities. And Rani um, identifies the United States as the main factor of structural violence. And I quote Rouhani, Iran condemns the establishment of a monologue at the level of international relations. Uh, he condemns the diffusion of a prop propagandistic discourse in calculating imaginary threats such, a, such as the Iranian threat. So Rani points out an American state-produced conspiracy theory, Iran conspiring against the world. But simultaneously, what's, what's, what's the vision of the world that the Iranians have? Um, for the Iranians, uh, the United States feel that they are de a declining empire. They feel that the, the economy, the factory of the world, is quickly being deported to, to China and India. And uh, for the Iranians, the strategy of the United States is to separate the new factory of the world from the main oil and fuel tanks, to separate China from Iran. As a consequence, for the Iranians, uh, the United States must uh, operate uh, in, three, uh, on, on, in three areas. In the Persian Gulf, uh, they must open the, the, the Persian Gulf, and this explains their strategic alliance with some Emirates, the uh, invasion of Iraq and the containment of Iran, so opening of the Persian Gulf, that's the first move. Secondly, the Americans must prevent Russia from seizing the Caspian oil fields, and this explains the alliance of the United States with Turkey and the republics of the southern Caucasus. And thirdly, and most importantly, the Americans must disseminate the chaos between China and Iran. For the Iranians, the Americans have won the war in Afghanistan, not because they have been able to establish peace, but just the reverse, because they have been able to export the Pakistanis' civil war into Afghanistan. They've been able to diffuse the chaos, and as a consequence, they have developed instability, and that's a victory for the Iranians. But for the Iranians, the, the United States have a problem, and it's the same thing for the European states, it's the debt. And one of the problems is that uh, the United States or Western countries could, beca could become the mercenaries of their creditors, uh, Saudi Arabia or Qatar. They could be placed in the situation of the French knights uh, at the beginning of the 13th century uh, who, um, who had not enough money to pay the Venetians and having become uh, the, um, indebted uh, had, to, 
had to storm uh, uh, Constantinople instead of, of uh, waging war in Syria. And for the Iranians, uh, the United States are clearly declining, and declining empires, as we know, are marked by desperate offensive and chaotic foreign policies. So this was my first point, the situation in which Hassan Rouhani has found Iran. I'm now going to examine the strategy of Rouhani, a strategy of soft war. Rouhani wishes to transform the confined island into a regional leader. The press has described Rouhani as a reformer, but contrary to, to what we may think, the distinction between reformers and, cons and, and conservatives is not very efficient in Iran. Uh, the proof is that amongst the six, candidates, the six candidates for the elections, five were described as conservatives by the Western press. So statistically speaking, mathematically, the Iranians had 83% of chances to elect a conservative. But we, we, we tend to forget that uh, Iran uh, has been haunted for centuries by a dream which is not conservative, and this dream is namely the reform of the Muslim world. And this underground dream haunts most Iranian statesmen. But it faces two obstacles. The Iranians are not Arab, they are not Sunni. So incapable of uniting the Muslim world, the Iranians are caught between two, two trends. Either a shift towards the West, a consolidation of the ties with, with a, a reopening of the relations with, with Europe and the United States, or a consolidation of the ties with Asia. The Iranians see themselves, think them, themselves as Westerners. They believe that we are their Western cousins but they have been forced by the sanctions to develop links with China and Russia, but also with India. So the question is not a debate between the conservatives and the liberals. The, the question is, who has won between the Oceanids, supporters of a reconciliation with the US maritime power, and the Genghis Khanids, who want to tighten the links with Russia and China? In fact, the Iranians have chosen a third party, the Iranids, wishing the return of a strong regional power. Hassan Rouhani embodies the Iranian ambitions. So his political aim is to transform the confined island into a regional leader. He has competitors at the regional level, Saudi Arabia, but also Turkey and Israel. But in order to gain influence, is Iran must transform the Israeli twin into an ally unless Israel mimetically adapts the attitude of a new Iran. And it's maybe what's happening today. The Iranians did 
describe the strategy as of Rouhani as Jang and Aram, soft war. Um, and this, this is soft war is also a strategy of the West when the West has, have, has tried to contain Iran thanks to financial penalties, the manipulation of medias, cyber attacks, the targeted elimination of adversaries. The soft war is discreet, and the number of losses, the, 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 due to the, the, the limited number of losses it causes, uh, this covered war brings about little public opposition. And in the same time, it's a cheap war. It accommodates with the usual cuts in times of crisis. And this explains why soft wars multiply. Of course, this soft war has energetic aspects. As we know, there's a competition in uh, the pipeline projects to get the gas of the, ca of, of the Persian Gulf through the north or through, through Syria. So Rouhani is looking for appeasement to loosen the sanctions. The first goal is to loosen the sanctions. And constructive talks were held since October with Iran. The discussions have been constructive. Um, that's, the, that's what the Iranian thinks, but that's also what the, the West thinks. So one of the questions in, in, our, in our discussion might be the first question could have been what about the French? Why, why is, does uh, Fabius, uh, wh why is the attitude of, of Fabius different and why has Fabius blocked the negotiations? The interpretation of the Iranians is that uh, Fabius is making the game of Israel. I am not quite sure that this is true. The interpretation of uh, the French is that Fabius has successfully prevented uh, America from um, from 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 uh, a, a reconciliation with a dangerous ally. I'm not perfectly convinced of this argument. Uh, we must not forget that um, when Obama came to power and uh, Sarkozy simultaneously went became president, there was a switch in the attitudes of the United States and France towards Iran. France adopted a, a tough attitude on Iran, whereas Obama, Obama tried, uh, tried to invert his, his, his relationship with Iran. Um, and the United States have exerted pressure on the French enterprises to get out of Iran, uh, the oil companies, the car companies. So one of the explanations could be that Fabius is currently negotiating one part of the cake. And maybe mysteriously, uh, in a few weeks, Fabius will say that uh, the, the, the Iranians and the Americans have become suddenly very wise. Negotiations with Iran, between Iran and France, have not always been easy. Um, this is linked to our different military cultures. Uh, we have developed in France and in the West in general a culture based on uh, inherited, inherited from the, the Greek figure, the heroic uh, warrior who's going to sacrifice his life to save his city. Uh, the Iranians have been invaded for 1,000 years. Uh, as a consequence, 
um, their, their political elites have been castrated and uh, they have been forced to develop a very refined and very subtle negotiation culture in order to ensure their political survival um, and to remain in power despite the occupation of Iran for 1,000 years. And this has, of course, shaped their mentality. Um, in the same time, we, it would have been easier for us to negotiate with Iran uh, two, two centuries ago when um, um, time during which uh, the, the, the links between France and Iran were, were tighter because of the, um, the weight, because of several elements like uh, the importance of conversation, the importance of uh, uh, the, the, the taste for illusions in the Baroque culture, but also in the Iranian culture, the importance of politeness, of tarof. Um, one of the questions today is, when will these negotiations end up? Will it end up today, next week, in a few weeks? I think it's a false question, because uh, we are shaped by a Roman culture, uh, according to which uh, we negotiate, and in the end, we sign an agreement uh, and that becomes the law, and we have to respect the law. Uh, this doesn't mean anything to the Iranians, um, uh, because um, it meant something in, 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 uh, before the Islamic invasion, but um, today it doesn't mean anything, because in Iran you negotiate before you sign the agreement, uh, and you, you negotiate once you have signed the agreement, and you negotiate till the death of the agreement. So the, the negotiations will never cease. It will never cease. Iran exerts pressure on three military fronts in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in Syria. Um, in Syria, Rani has condemned the pursuit of expansionist strategies camouflaged behind humanitarian rhetoric. Um, in fact, just at the United States, Iran supports and advises the Syrian army. Hezbollah is trained in Iran, and uh, these actions are likewise camouflaged under the pacifist rhetoric of Rani. Syria is a, labor is a laboratory for the Iranians, a military laboratory. And um, it's important for Iran to... It's very important for Iran to, to be in Syria because, because historically speaking, Iran was strong under the Achaemenid Empire when it mastered the nearby seas, one half of the Mediterranean, the Persian Gulf, thanks to, to, to other populations of, of navigators. So, Geopolitically speaking, Iran has been strong when it was a naval power. This is why the Iranians are choosing the... Because this is why the nuclear fight of the Iranians is the wrong fight. The only good strategy for, Egypt, for, for Iran is to become a real, a strong naval power. So Iran has not always been a besieged castle. Um... So 
after these first steps of Rouhani, after these first negotiations, uh, we could um, raise the third, the third point, third question, will, will he succeed and when will he succeed if he succeeds? There are three problems. This is a, an 18th century painting of Assuerus, the king of Persia, crowning Esther. Assuerus, uh, well, there are several interpretations. Uh, it's the wedding of uh, Louis XIV and Madame de Maintenon. Uh, but it's also, of course, the wedding of, uh, of, of Iran and Persia. In order to succeed, Israel must not become a new Iran. The, 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 re the relations between Iran and, and Israel are complex, but basically Israel and Iran behave as twins. They have a long history of cooperation, let us not forget that the Jewish communities of Iran are the eldest, the richest, and the most numerous of the Middle East. In the same time, tensions have developed between the two countries during the last decades. So Rouhani has, of course, condemned in the United Nations the brutal repression of the Palestinian people. In Israel, Rouhani arouses simultaneously anxiety and fascination, because behind their military and energetic competition, um, Iran, and competition which has been revived by the discovery of huge um, oil fields uh, in the eastern Mediterranean, behind this rivalry, um, Iran and Israel are two creative centers cultivating their cultural singularity against the Arab world, they both see themselves as a besieged island. And more than a nuclear threat, um, I was discussing a few days ago with Professor Azakasher, who was visiting us in Saint-Cyr, and he was saying to me, what, we, we do not understand the Iranians very much. Uh, we never know what what they really think. So what, what Israel fears uh, is an imaginative and unpredictable competitor able to dispute his strategic initiative. These, the Iranian threat uh, is also a good way to unite artificially a very divided Israel. So I think that Israel and Iran behave as twins. It's either fusion or murder. But there's also a risk for Rouhani, because if he's too kind in words with Israel, there's a risk of putsch led by the Iranian Revolution Garden Corps. The risk of a coup by the Guardians of the Revolution has always existed in Iran, but it's, 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 it's growing now. In these uh, debates, the, it, was, it has been very difficult for the intelligence services to, to make a good analysis of the situation because the intelligence services are crippled by short-term analysis and by the absence of debate about Iran. It's very difficult for them to foresee the evolutions of Iran 
and to foresee the next steps of Rouhani. There are two main difficulties. First, they have a problem of rhythm. Uh, there's obviously a gap between the slow pace of the intelligence services and the acceleration prompted by the Iranian diplomacy. <coughs> Rouhani is acting very quickly. Um, and if we want to understand his movements, his movements, we must have some idea of the historical and cultural background. So most of the time, the intelligence services are drowned by forged informations. The second problem of the intelligence services is the problem of the politicization of intelligence. Um, the problem is that uh, the notes written are corrected several times before arriving on the desks of the ministers. And the risk is obviously self-censorship. The danger is that the intelligence comes to justify the choice of the politicians rather than to inform them of the risks. That's the very subversion of intelligence. What about time? What about the rhythm? The Iranians are playing with time. Um, as if uh, we have, of course, a very different conception of time uh, in the West and in Iran. Um, we, have, we have been shaped by a Roman culture of uh, short delays, accelerated by Christianity. Every mo mo moment counts to save, to make your own salvation, so you have to be quick. Uh, it's, it's different in Iran, where the elites have, been, have developed uh, a political inertia in order to resist against the conquerors for 1,000 years. And it's also different because uh, this has been also um, uh, reinforced by the fact that uh, in the Islamic world, you, uh, precipitation is seen as something um, which is not, not, not good and sometimes dangerous. Um, it's not good to be slow but if you are you must be patient patience is associated to majesty so Ronnie has to be patient he has to show he is patient time is, is playing in favour of Iran because as we have um, blocked Iran uh, Iran has developed links between with China, of course, and also with India. And uh, he, Iran is playing on the competition between, Iran, between China and, uh, and India. In a few years, America won't be able to, to lead an independent policy in the Middle East. So the new choice, if Iran is still contained, will be India or China. We could have also... We could have an... Indo-Iranian uh, alliance, let us remember the Maurya dynasty, uh, which formerly gathered India and Iran. It's not, difficult, not very difficult when you speak Persian to understand Hindi, and there are, of course, very tight links between the two civilizations. So to conclude on this, on this briefing, I would like to say that beyond its skillfulness, Rouhani has had the chance to arrive at the good moment after years of frontal oppositions between the United States 
Um, its maritime allies, the United Kingdom, Japan, and the new Mongol Empire, formed by Iran, China, and Russia, the United States have renounced to an armed intervention after three successive defeats in Afghanistan, Iraq, and Syria. But the United States might have made, for once, the intelligent choice of dismantling the new Mongol Empire with peaceful means. This would be costly, less costly and more efficient than the previous policy. They might try to revert the situation to their own benefit. The new Mongol Empire is an oyster. In order to open it, you have to touch Iran, the adductor muscle. And once you've cut it, the two shells, China and Russia, fall apart. And you can pick up the energetic pill. And in the, in the last months, the tensions have clearly appeared between Iran and Russia, Iran and China. But if the Americans bet on Iran, will they have to sacrifice Saudi and Arabia and Turkey? Can they sacrifice a creditor to an ally? What about Israel? It will, it will either have to follow the United States or to become a new Iran. So if what we have seen was not an illusion, then all cards could be reshuffled in the Middle East. Uh, what is sure is that in order to, to transform Iran into the new pivot of international relations, Rani will have to distribute the cards. He has already started in all direction. The, the problem is to distinguish the true cards from the fake ones. But we must also consider this problem in the long run. In 2030, uh, the, the, the United States, the, the Americans, will elect their first Latino president of their history on an isolationist program. They will have become less dependent from Saudi Arabia thanks to the exploitation of their own shale gas. They will have withdrawn from the Middle East. By that time, Russia, unable to hold the shores of the Caspian, will have concentrated its efforts on the northeastern maritime route. In this context, the Middle East will undergo profound changes. In the north, Turkey will become a medium economic power. Arab states like Syria, Lebanon, or Iraq will have collapsed or become failed states. On the east, however, Iran will surely be able to exert its long-lasting influence on the region thanks to a policy of balance between Turkey and India. As far as Israel is concerned, Iran might be its new promised land. <laughs>